Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello folks, I'm Hugh McTeer and welcome along to a bonus edition of the La Liga Lowdown podcast. Later in the show I'm going to be talking to Keane Zavani of Managing Madrid about the Real Madrid loanees and how they're doing this season. But first of all, we have to get into the big Real Madrid story of the week, of the year, of the decade maybe. Real Madrid's exit from the Champions League in the last 16. First time that, that's happened since 2010. I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Robbie Dunn of Ass. Robbie, how are you doing? I'm very well, Jon. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So what's the you're in the office at the moment, what's the scene like there? Everyone a bit frantic, uh, I'm sure there's people still drying their eyes, no? Yeah, I think it's kind of everyone's just kind of accepted at this stage. It was it was the kind of result that was that shocking to this point it was almost unbelievable and people while it was almost the two extremes. Under Zidane it was unbelievable. The three wins when nobody expected them to to get to the final and win it, and then now getting knocked out by Ajax after bringing a 2-1 um, lead into the second leg, which came on the back of those two defeats to Barcelona. I think it's just been a bit of a surreal week almost. Um, I think it's safe to say that. Yeah, I think so, because I mean this was built up for both Barcelona and Real Madrid as, as a sort of decisive week, decisive month of their season. And, and I think... I probably, like many people, expected that both of them would win a couple of these games and, and nobody's season would be uh, completely decided in a positive or negative sense. But it has happened like this and there's there's really nothing now for Real Madrid to, to focus on in the next few months in terms of on the football pitch, is there? No, absolutely not. And that's what I thought when I was just thinking back on it. I, I'm not entirely sure what my thoughts were heading into the three games, but I was sure Real Madrid would get a result in at least one of the games they scored one in three they conceded three four nine or eight sorry it's hard and, to keep um, coming it really is yeah yeah And but but I mean when you think and, and I know that this is as humans we fit the narrative to, to, to suit what happened and, and we work back we retro retrofitted but when you look back at Real Madrid's Form. I mean, he would have had a close eye in that Ibar game when they got beaten three yeah, yeah. nil, and they were 
they were dismantled. So, and I understand that Classicos and Champions League, the form book goes out the windows, as the old cliche goes. And I understand that um, Real Madrid have the kind of players that can show up in any given ninety minutes. But when you look back at that CSKA game where they were, were manhandled at home, Ibar they were well beaten. This wasn't a fluke. They were played off the park by Real Betis, and they got lucky, I guess, against uh, Levante. Um, beaten well by Real Sociedad and, and these aren't teams that are, are going particularly well in the league or, or have any spectacular players or anything like that but against a well you, you always felt if Real Madrid came up against a side that had a, a system a tactic, tactical system in place and believed in themselves to implement that system, they, they were going to get maybe not embarrassed like we saw last night, but it was it was very plausible that they were going to get beaten like this. I guess it, just the fact that it happened in such an emphatic fashion, I think we were all surprised. Yeah, you make a good point there when you talk about some of the teams that they lost to and how these are teams with a, a clear tactical identity. Ibar certainly the case with that. Levante have interesting tactics. Real Sofia that were well drilled under Imanol. Uh, Girona as well have been playing the same way um, for a good couple of years now, even having changed coach. So, yeah, there's a lot of teams that when they have a good tactical understanding, they can frustrate Real Madrid. So that maybe brings us on to Santiago Solari and his sort of tactical concepts in these games. Does this really show up badly uh, for him? And what does this mean for his future? Surely, although he's got a contract for another couple of years, surely he's gone in the summer now, if not sooner. Yeah, well, I guess, I'm guessing that he is gone in the summer. I've seen reports, obviously, in, in Spain here saying he's gone. He's history. It's about Florentino's Florentino Perez's move next and what he does. I think in terms of Solari's future, I'm not entirely sure what it does, really, because did he have that much of a future to begin with? It's catapulted, catapulted him onto a European and international stage now. He's managed Real Madrid, and you can, regardless of what, um, what that defeat against Ajax says, um, he has managed Real Madrid's first team, and he and he was landed in a very difficult situation. And I find when I was reading and listening to the analysis of the game afterwards, there was no and, and this is understandable uh, as I'll explain. I think it's understandable that the analysis well it was a little bit all over the place because there is no one particular reason why this has happened. The, 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 the yeah, there's so many there's so many nuances to it, isn't there? It's not it, all the coach uh, because. Uh, we saw with Lopetegui when he got sacked everyone maybe assumed that you remove Lopetegui everything gets better it didn't and that just no. you know, kind of proved that as you're saying it wasn't just the coach was it? No absolutely it's just like any success and any failure there's loads of different reasons and I think Real Madrid particularly given the structure at the club and Florentino Perez's power that and the fact that Cristiano left Zidane left under the circumstances he did but I also think that Solari isn't free of blame like we said and, and, and it's not necessarily about hard-headed decisions he made he just didn't he was a little bit out of his depth maybe we saw exa for example against Girona and speaking about the tactical systems and things like that um, Eusebio brought on uh, Chucky Lozano and moved Porto out to the right completely confused Real Madrid Marcelo was out didn't, was caught out at the back post uh, for the second goal and Real Madrid was just lost Sergio Ramos went up front trying to get a goal in the last minute and it was all just very basic uh, so I think while Solari isn't the, the, the blame doesn't fall squarely on his shoulders I don't think he's blame free either so yeah as, as uh, the analysis I'm sure more will come out in the coming weeks as to what was going on behind the scenes with Bale and, and, and 
Modric, why he was tired, and Cruz's lack of lack of um, form and things like that. But for the moment, I think it's just a, all a big all a big blur. Yeah, a big blur with everybody getting a little bit of blame, and and one of the guys, I guess that. Uh, is not getting blamed for his performance on the pitch because he wasn't on the pitch as Sergio Ramos he was instead up in the stands uh, filming a documentary that's coming out that'll be a good uh, episode to watch I'm sure what do you make of this whole yellow card drama because it was silly in the first place um, to talk about forcing that yellow card in Amsterdam because um, he would have missed the first leg of a potential quarter final now he missed the first leg of as you actually joked about last <laughs> last night a, a potential Europa League uh, <laughs> a group stage game but a Champions League group stage game you'll miss that but it was a bit um, arrogant was it not in the first place to assume that this tie was over with a score just at 2-1 after Ajax had played so well in that first leg no? That, that, I, I, I didn't know if you were going to say it or not but that's exactly the point that I would make is that Ajax were by no means out of the tie and only for Real Madrid's burst in the last maybe 20-25 minutes or during the second half of that game with Benzema's goal they were played completely off the park and this isn't this isn't a player like maybe someone like Reguilon or, 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 or someone who has a direct replacement um, uh, like like if, if if it was Reguilon who had got the yellow card maybe you wouldn't lose that much but this is Sergio Ramos the heartbeat of the team the captain the leader in the dressing room the, the, the man who they rely on and have relied on so often and and for him to go and get and, and, and I guess the, the other like these kind of things, I, I suppose, happen in in football and and, and behind the scenes and, and strategic fouling and strategic cards and 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 things like that. And um, but but for him to do it at that point and to go look and and to do it so brazenly, like the, there was a video caught and it was shown on Spanish TV here of Ramos looking over and asking Modric, "Will I get the card? Will I look for it?" And then, um, like you would think that Real Madrid's form at home would they'd have enough to guide them through but Nacho his form has fallen off a cliff this season and, and he, he's been really poor he was poor again last night and I just think now he, especially given what's happened I, I think Ramos does certainly look really really silly but he is a little bit of a someone with that kind of confidence is a little bit of a Teflon Don in ways nothing really sticks to him if that was someone like maybe I don't know, uh, it's Luis Suarez, and uh, he's got his own history, or Diego Costa, or someone like that. Griezmann, for example, they'd be, this would be front page news. And I get the fact that within a context, Real Madrid defeat Ajax is the big news of the day. But Ramos having the documentary, and it's just highly embarrassing for, for, for a lot of different reasons, you know? Yeah, and I guess maybe in the coming days, once once the immediate reaction to this game settles down, other people will talk about this this Ramos yellow card and and things like that. So maybe that is still going to come out. Um, one sort of final thing I want to to ask you about is we saw a few injuries uh, in that game, which which impacted Real Madrid's performance in the game itself, but also going forward. You know they've got a very, <laughs> a very boring I would say fixture list coming up at the Bernabeu. There's not much for fans to get excited about, even in the few league games that are left. But one cause of excitement this season has been Vinicius Junior, and now that he's torn ligaments in his ankle, he's not even going to be there. How big a blow is this for the player himself and for the club? Yeah, it's massive, and I guess, I guess given the fact that he had played, that was one of the things, I actually wrote about it last week, and it was one thing that Real Madrid said that they were not going to do was to place all the burden on him, but but he's 18 years of age, and he became absolutely everything for their attack, and I think 
I think, as I said, and, and as we were discussing there, Real Madrid have a, a ton of issues to deal with, and, and that's certainly one of them. The fact that every single burden uh, fell on Vinicius' shoulders just shows the poor planning and, and, and the state of their squad and, and the state of the morale and motivation within that squad. I think, yeah, as you said, uh, Real Madrid's fixture list, I, I'm not, like, I mean, uh, you know yourself living in Madrid here and you go looking for tickets for Madrid games, not all that easy sometimes, and uh, Classicals and things yeah, like that. Might, it might be a bit easier, yeah, in the next, yeah. In the next few weeks. <laughs> yeah, and, and I know, I remember I was covering one of the earliest games when Ronaldo left, and it was the lowest attendance in the stadium for years. And I, and I, I am sure they're going to probably beat 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 that record in a bad way uh, in the next coming weeks. And and I think yeah, it just it's it's turned now into the, the only thing I will say is that they have a couple of months now to figure things out. And, and and Florentino Perez, he, Zidane dropped that bombshell when he left last season, and and he had to go searching for someone World Cup year. Now they've got loads of time, and in in ways that helps Florentino Perez, but it also leaves him wide open for criticism. If this does, if he doesn't get his managerial choice right and implement his strategy, we could hear those cries for his resignation getting a whole lot louder in the coming months and at the start of next season. Yeah, there were a few of them last night and yeah, he's got a big decision to make. You're dead right with that. So it's going to be very interesting over the, the next few months and we'll need to pay attention to all that's going on at Real Madrid. It's going to be fascinating. Robbie, I know you'll be on top of all of it. Where can people find your work, find what you have to say on it all? Yeah, I post every, everything I say and most of my thoughts <laughs> go on there. My Hopefully Twitter not all of your thoughts, not what you're having for breakfast. And, and <laughs> no, no, you're no, going to bed. I saved that for Instagram, you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter there. Perfect, and uh, you've got a book out as well. There's not very much to do with Real Madrid, although they do play Rio in a couple of weeks. Where can people find um, that book as well? Yeah, it's actually a link on my Twitter account, so pretty much anything you need to know about me goes to my Twitter account or send me a, a message and I'll, I'll get back to you on that. But yeah, it's a, there's a link on my Twitter account and you can find it there. Perfect. Well, thanks so much, Robbie. After the break, we've got Kean coming up on the Real Madrid loanees. Some happier stories for Real Madrid fans after a bit of a crisis week for them. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to part two of this podcast. I'm with Kian Sabani, and we're on a train in southern Madrid, moving into the centre. We've just been to see Leganes against Levante, and we've just seen quite a few Real Madrid players. We saw Oscar yep. Rodriguez on loan at Leganes, and we saw Borja Mayoral on loan at Levante. Both of them starting in this game. Both of them having quite an impact. Kian, how are you? I'm you great. This game? I did. I was. It was a nice bonus to get both of them start the game. Because you never know with Mayoral. Oscar's a given with... I mean, he's playing game and game out under Pellegrino and he's playing well. But Oscar, it's kind of... I mean, Mayoral is kind of hit or miss because he may come off the bench for five, ten minutes, touch the ball five times and really do nothing noteworthy. And then he'll have the game against Celta where he scores and gets an assist. So, uh, But it was a bonus to get both of them to start. Didn't get the trifecta of Andre Lunin. No, we were almost, we were hoping we would see him, but also not because that would have meant an injury to starting goalkeeper uh, Ivan Cuellar for Leganes. We didn't see him, so um, I'm just going to ask you about Lunin. He's went on loan to Leganes. Oscar has went on loan to Leganes. Mm. From what you're saying, Oscar's loan has been a big success. He's had lots of playing time. He's developed as a player. We've seen him play in many different roles in that midfield. You never quite know where he's going to be yeah. on the pitch. Lunin, though, this hasn't really been a loan move that worked out. Especially, I mean, in the Copa del Rey, these were the matches he was playing and one of the teams he faced was Real Madrid, who he wasn't allowed to play against. So, can I just ask you to rate these loan moves for Oscar and Lunin? They've been quite different. Well, vastly different. Lunin, it's been a disaster because he's a promising keeper. And, uh, you know, while his signing came out of nowhere over the summer, when fans did some research on him, looked at some, some of his clips, and, like, this guy's really talented. He has really good reflexes. Um, he just hasn't played, and a lot of that has to do with, obviously, that Ivan Cuellar has been great this season. Yeah. And a couple times that Lunin did come in, he looked a little bit shaky. I would, I would say it was... He was a little bit cold, but he also did have moments of brilliance where he had a couple of brilliant saves. Overall, it hasn't been good. And when you, I think when you send out a player alone like that, I think you have to be sure. And, you know, case in point was Mayoral, who we saw today, had a similarly disastrous stint when he went to Wolfsburg from Castilla. Yeah. Um, so it hasn't been great for Lunin. And, but, you know, he's young enough and he's promising enough that He'll surely get another loan and yeah. hopefully Real Madrid have learned some lessons and we'll find like a more more suitable home for him. And I guess with goalkeepers, it's always very hard because if the other goalkeeper plays well, that you can't you can't play in a similar position, but out of the position you just can't play. Right. Yeah. And that and like with with Oscar, I mean I think it's just been amazing to see how far he's come since Castilla. Because you and I have talked about this quite a bit that you know like there's there's actually quite a bit of 
quite a few Castilla players, not only for Real Madrid, but also throughout La Liga, who have surprisingly done well. And I say that because with Castilla, they never looked that good. For example, Oscar last season with Castilla, he actually didn't look that good under Solari. Um, he was more promising under Guti and Juvenil A, where he played a lot. He's a really dangerous player. He kind of had really a good knack for dribbling in tight spaces, good playmaking, obviously very good at set pieces and shooting. With Castilla, all that kind of disappeared. He never really had that influence. He had a lot of poor touches. And so, and then when he first went to Leganes, um, if you remember the first two games, he actually did, wasn't even in the squad for a couple of them. Yeah, and it took he a while was, to, to yeah. come in, yeah. And uh, he was, you know, we'd, we'd see him in street clothes, um, you know, just in the stadium, not even getting in the squad. So it was like such a surprise to see him when he finally started. And around the, there was a turning point where he started, Pellegrino started trusting him, gave him a bigger role each game, and kind of like his role has shifted and morphed quite a bit. And he has a bit of free role now, as you said. Um, there was a turning point also against Barcelona in Butarque, if, if you remember, where yeah, Leganes remember beat them. Game. He yeah. was great that game. And around that time, Extra and ever motivation. since then, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, um, I joke about this, but it's also half serious that if you have a Real Madrid player on loan in your team, you have to play him against Barca because yeah. they always play well. Things will happen. Yeah. So yeah, he's done. He's done fantastically well. I think at, at Leganes, Mayoral is doing okay at Levante, yeah. and Lunin we don't know because he's he's not really played. But let's move on to a couple of the other players who are out on loan around La Liga. Yeah. Uh, Teo Hernandez is one of them at Real Sociedad. He's had a lot of ups, a lot of downs. He's yeah. had some very good performances. He's had some quite poor performances. He's had a lot of known performances as well because of suspension. I think it's about four or five games now he's been That's right, he's yeah. missed through through various bands. What have you made of him after having one season in the Real Madrid first team, didn't go to plan, now he's back in the Basque country where he, he had so much success at Alaves. How has it gone for him at Real Sociedad? Well, that five-game suspension you speak of came off the back of a really ridiculous red card. That lots of arguing. He, he just lost his head. And in those five games where he was absent, Kevin Rodriguez stepped up. And then... Even though Teo was back after those five games, he didn't start right away because Kevin kind of just kept He's his place. He's been playing well in that, yeah. in that time, yeah. Yeah. Um, and like you said, it's been up and down for him. And I've, you know, he's had good spurts, and but his season has kind of been like Sociedad's, up and down. Um, you don't really quite know what, what version you're going to get from him. Defensively, he hasn't looked good um, as recently as this weekend against Atletico where um, he was directly at fault for a lot of just Koke getting behind them. Well, getting, anyone who goes up the up against the legendary Juan Fran is, is going to have a hard time. <laughs> this is true. Um, but also maybe like because you think Atletico don't have those traditional wingers, that he could breathe a bit, but Koke gave him a lot of problems on that right flank. So he, he's not, he makes bad decisions defensively. What he's done good in, I think he's he's been a really good ball carrier out of the back, where he can get the ball in a deep position and just dribble it high up the pitch like really quickly and get supposed to add in the counter-attack. Um, overall, I think he's been disappointing, if I'm being quite honest, and like, you know, we're gonna talk about him maybe at some point in this podcast, but he probably is the the player I'd rank, I guess, the lowest in terms of Real Madrid's full-backs on the books. And Ashraf Hakimi, who's a natural right-back, has looked great at left-back this season, better than Teo has, so. No, he really has. Well, let's keep Akraf Hakimi to one side just for the moment sure. and talk about the final guy out on loan in La Liga. And that guy is Raul de Thomas right here in Madrid. 
he's been awesome, I think, yeah. in my opinion, for Rayo Vallecano. Ten yeah. goals in a team that basically has left him very much isolated up top. He's already in like the top ten all-time goal scorers for Rayo after being there, getting them promoted last year. That's why they play whatever system they played, and they've changed it a few times this season. He's always been very isolated, yet he still manages to create his own chances you've talked to me a bit before about how he gets so many shots off in a game yeah. and most of them are because he's made these shots himself yeah um, that's one thing that has just been so impressive about him is that you know Rayo have good pieces attacking um, and they're not consistently going to create and especially in the second half they seem to have this knack of kind of fading in games and getting tired but you know they, they'll create the occasional chance to do like you know someone like Alex Moreno who's been dangerous on the left flank or Imbula's dribbling or something. Uh, but for the most part, he doesn't get service. And I think what's most impressive about him is that Rayo can do nothing all game, and he can touch the ball maybe once all game, and that one touch is a goal. Yeah. So he doesn't. Some strikers will get cold in those situations. He seems to actually thrive in it somehow, where. He won't see the ball, but and he'll create a chance out of nothing, and he'll, you know, he'll make a, he'll dribble past a couple of players, and put in an improbable long-distance shot, and it'll go in. It's been, it's impressive. He's a strong player. He can dribble, does press, presses really well, hounds defenders. Been really impressed with him. And do you think long-term he's the kind of player who can play at Real Madrid? I mean, we've just spoken about how he doesn't get much help in attack. He's often left isolated. Obviously, in Real Madrid, that wouldn't be the case because he'd be in a more attacking team. He'd have other players around him. He'd have to try and work with other players of his own team inside the penalty area. It's a very different situation for him. Do you think it would work? And do you think, like, how would you compare him with Mariano, who's right now the sort of backup striker for, for Real Madrid? How does he compare to him? Lately, I've talked myself into the idea of Raul de Tomas being a Real Madrid striker off the bench, yeah. which uh, I don't know if it's actually a realistic thing to think about because you can dream can we can all dream we can all dream but like you brought up Mariano and Mariano to me was a better striker in Liga in last season than Raul de Tomas is in La, in La Liga this season and Mariano's almost disappeared under Solari um, and didn't get much under Lopetegui too I mean there were some injuries involved but he never really he never really got that many opportunities so that part you know just taking that into consideration I think that Raul de Tomas is going to be a really good striker but I think maybe his ceiling is some, somewhere like Sevilla maybe I think he'd do great at some, somewhere like Sevilla, Valencia, Villarreal, those kinds of teams. I don't know if Real Madrid is where he ends up. Yeah, It's going to be interesting to see what decisions are made uh, in the next summer. And one of the decisions is going to involve uh, Kovacic at Chelsea. Yeah. It's very complicated based on their transfer ban. We don't know how the appeals and all, all that kind of thing will go. We don't know if they'll be able to, to sign him if they want to. We don't know if he'll have to come back, if he'll go somewhere else. What do you think? Because last season he was often the first midfield sub to come on other players have stepped up this year uh, we've got Fede Valverde improving Marcos Llorente has made uh, several good performances in a row is there a place for Kovacic at Madrid in my opinion I would say there's less of a place for him now in Real Madrid than there was when he left in the summer I completely agree I like he's more expendable now than he was right and I don't think Real Madrid wanted to lose him out on loan in the summertime because I think he's a very very good squad he was quite uh, purposeful himself in his comments and saying I want to go in the, the, yeah. he, he bit, kind of forced that through he forced her hand a bit he wanted to start yeah. and um, he was never going to do that consistently anyone sure, under sure, Mordic sure. and Gross and, and Lopetegui definitely was a fan of, of Ceballos and Isco and you know can play Isco in midfield if needed so there was a lot of depth in that position and there still is and that depth doesn't go away magically this summer unless there's a, as there's a mass exodus as, as rumoured 
Um, but the thing with Kovacic now is he finds himself in this weird situation where he wanted to go to Chelsea and he still seems to want to stay there despite actually losing his place in big games often to Ross Barkley, which is yeah. just crazy to think about. Because yeah. Ross Barkley, I've watched enough of Chelsea this season to know that he really does not provide much. Yeah. And Kovacic is clearly the better overall player. Seems to be Sarri's favorite substitution. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been done. It's subs- messy. And yeah. then the transfer ban just, the transfer just adds ban an extra layer yeah. on top. We touched on Akraf at Dortmund. Let's go back to him for a moment. Uh, I'm going to be honest, I've not seen much of him, but I do remember him tearing Atletico Madrid completely apart. Uh, as a left-back, he has played a lot of time at left-back yeah. and not at right-back. What has that been like for him to, to try new positions? It's been amazing to see his versatility because he can play at left-back just as well as he can at right-back. Some would argue he's better at left-back. Um, I still think his natural position is probably at right-back, but he can play at left-back just fine. It's an interesting one. And then the final player I want to ask you about mm. is, I don't know, maybe the most unique case, Martin Odegaard. I mean, this guy mm. <laughs> moved at such a young age, had all the pressure in the world applied on his shoulders. I never got the sense at Castilla that he was in the right kind of division for his talents, playing against full-grown adults in the third division, in yeah. a, a division against players who have played at higher level. Now he's in Holland. He's playing first division football against adults, but now he himself is one and can hold his own a bit more. Yeah. What have you made of him? I'm just really glad he's starting to get recognition. Yeah. Um, so much focus has been on the young and the Licht and the Eredivisie. I don't know if people slept on Odegaard. Um, I think there has been this narrative also that... Are you trying to tell Barcelona fans that Odegaard is better than De Jong? I'm not saying that, You're but I'm just noticing. saying keep, keep an eye on that for him. <laughs> uh, you know, with the thing is that Odegaard's playing against the same players that De Jong and De Ligt are. That's true. Um, and he's he's been phenomenal. He's been Vitesse's best player. He's he's grown more and more into the team. Like at first, he wasn't very involved. Um, the T's teammates wouldn't look for him as much, but he's grown into the role. They've he's earned respect. He's been phenomenal. How, how yeah. has he been as a sort of leader? Because I think we can all appreciate he has fantastic talent and. It just, it just needs the right situation for that to come out. But one of the things was he was maybe too young sometimes at, at yeah. Castilla. Even in Castilla, he was always the youngest guy. How has his leadership been in a team where he's still one of the very youngest guys? Yeah, to me, the best sign about his leadership is he's never shy. About yeah. the, he, only, he demands the ball constantly. If you look at the amount of touches, his heat map, like the amount of time he has the ball at his feet, the amount of key passes he puts out, like there were there were games. There was a game a few weeks ago. I remember covering where he had eight key passes. And um, you look at if his teammates could have finished those really good chances, he would have so many assists. And I'm just glad that people have noticed it in the sense that this guy was deemed a failed Galactico um, by one of these publications that I remember, like not yeah. long ago. And so it's just great to see him finally turning a corner. No, it really is. Well, Kian, I want to thank you for your time and sort of breaking down all the lone players. I know you watch them every week and you've grown quite fond of some teams you probably thought you never would have. Thank you very much. What, where can people find you and keep up to date with how these lone guys are doing? Sure. Follow me on Twitter at Kianso and uh, follow managingmadrid.com. We cover all of Real Madrid's players on loan there. Perfect. And remember, you can follow La Liga Loden as well on social media at La Liga Loden. Thanks for listening, guys. This was a Radio Staccano production. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.